Welcome to episode 100. Um, thank you for everybody that's been listening, watching, you know, supporting, sending messages. If you haven't already, please subscribe, rate, like, review, especially review. I don't, Apple and Spotify, they show it more every time people leave a review. So if you can take a minute. Now that I'm at 100, to, you know, make sure you've subscribed to my channel or, you know, you're following or, you know, whatever the platform is, whether you're watching or listening, whatever it calls for, um, I appreciate it. But this, uh, you know, like all my episodes, trigger warning across the board for everything. Just know that going in. I mean, you clicked on the thumbnail. So you already know that the before and after is just as wild as the episode. So enjoy the show. Those times that I died, all those times, Cassie, my friend, told me I had to check in every other day just to make sure I was okay. And after I started dying, like after the sixth time, she messaged me and she said, what do you want me to do with your body? I was like, what? Jesus, Cassie. And she was like, but I'm serious. When I was, I was like walking down the street, not meth, like tweaking, but meth out of my mind, like did a lot. And I see she's got green hair. So like, it's gotta be her. And I see her and I like pop my mask up real quick. Cause I don't want her to see me fucked up. And then she walks past and she's like, you're really going to not say hi. And I was like, Oh, Hey, I didn't know it was you. Like, so then she lives like a block down from where we saw each other. And as I'm walking, I'm with my friend. <laughs> This is, I'm with my friend and like, I'm like, I'm getting sneak attacked. Like she's coming. I know she's coming. And we get to where she lives and she comes out of a breezeway, like her apartment's in the back of a building. And I hit that breezeway and I was like bracing for impact. And she comes up and I'm like, I knew it. And that's what I was talking about when like, she used to be so pissed that I was using, like, she wasn't nice about it. But at that time, like, she's like, can I just hug you? And she's like, I don't even care if you stink. Cause that was a big thing in getting high. Like I fucking smelled like I would just not, not get high. It would, you know, it would take away from time to take a shower. Oh and, yeah. And and plus sometimes it would hurt too. Yeah. Like, well, actually let's, let's roll into it then. Welcome to the show, April. Thank you. Um, so, you know, you guys just heard a little story and we'll even get into more of that later. Um, so what is your sober date? My sober date is May 4th of last year. Of 2021. Yes. Okay, yeah, you all, you're coming up on a year in May. Right. Okay. Now, the reason why I found you is, you know, the before and after, which is going to be the thumbnail of this episode, is that before and after I saw that grab my attention, because it is an attention grabber. I'm sure you know that. You know what I mean? I'll even put it on the screen again for right now, people watching, if you didn't notice it, but... Um, what was going on May 3rd, you know, 2021 for you? Um, okay. Well, I got to back it up a tiny bit before then I was on the run from parole and, um, over from March 28th to April 14th, I died nine times in those two weeks. And it got to the point where my mom, hi mom, <laughs> my mom told me, I had to go to my dad in Tennessee and then her boyfriend, who's like, I call him my step pop. He's amazing. He said, if you're not on that bus, I'm calling the police and turning you in because I can't watch you die. Like it was really bad. So um, I was making excuses. Now Cassie's going to find out, but my plan was to go to my dad's and just stay there. He lives in Tennessee. He lives in a camper. Like nobody's going to find me. Like I'm on parole because I stole nipple cream. So um, I went to see him. He's sick. He has stage three lymphoma. So, um, I went to see him and I told Cassie, I just wanted to see him before I turned myself in. So just in case anything bad happened, I had my goodbyes cause I hadn't seen him in 13 years, but then a bunch of shit happened there. So I called Cassie and I was like, I can't be here anymore. And who's and Cassie? Cassie, okay, she's my sister, but she's, like, sister from another mister. Like, we met in jail eight years ago, and she's really been a uh, really good support. You know what I mean? Like, always had my back. 
she's the one who gave me the ultimatum when I left my dad's and came to visit her. I was supposed to be there for like two weeks, but I, you know, I was sobered up. I was doing good. And I just called my parole to see like, is there a way to avoid jail? And she was like, no, you've been gone too long. You've been on the run for almost nine months. You have to go to, you have to go to state prison. And then I didn't know, like my max is 18 months. I didn't know if I was going to be in for 18 months. So instead of spending the rest of the time with Cassie, I told her, I said, I'm like physically sick now because I know I have to go back to state prison. I'm not cut out for state prison. And I said, I just want to get this over with. So she, um, my friend Chrissy got me a, a bus ticket from Florida where Cassie was to Pennsylvania and well, Jersey, but Pennsylvania, it's like right over the bridge. So I, um, I, I went to turn myself, I was supposed to turn myself in on the first, but then like an idiot, uh, one of my friends gave me a liquid benzo. That's why my, my, my sobriety date is the fourth. On the second, he gave me a liquid benzo and I slept until the fourth. So I was supposed to turn myself in. Cassie said, if you don't turn yourself in, I have to love you from afar. I cannot let you in my son's life. And he's like, we call him my son too. Like I'm her Bieber baby daddy. And like, I met a boy on the bus and it was like really super romantic. And he was like, why don't we just hop off in New York city and make a life for ourselves? That's totally up my alley. And then, but I thought like, that's when the beginning of the thinking change occurred because I said, I'd love to, like, I would love to just forget all this, but I can't lose Cassie and Colson. Like I just, I can't. So I turned myself in on the fourth and they gave me a six month hit for, um, parole violation. I didn't get any new charges. <clears throat> so they sent me to Muncie, which is the state prison in Pennsylvania. Well, you know, you're from PA and, um, I got out. August or November 4th of last year. And I went to TLC, which is the transitional living center. And like, I hit the ground running really. Like I had one bump when I first got here. And then like, I, 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 I just did the damn thing. Like I'm not conceited, but I can say that. Like I've never had my own apartment within a month. I had the keys to my apartment. Well, within two months, I had the keys to my first ever apartment. I got a job now that's a sitting job, thank God, because I have the ugliest feet and they're they're not just ugly, they don't work. So it's like I'm floored. I cried when she gave me my key. Like that's um people might think it's like, well, you're 34, it's about time. Like, yeah, but that just goes to show, like, up until now, I've been my mom calls me the per perpetual 14-year-old because I'm just like a 14-year-old. But like, yeah, we stop maturing sometimes, you know, our I, mental state will stop. You know that. We all we all learn this, you know. Yeah, I didn't start using drugs until I was 21. I mean, I smoked pot at 17, but I didn't start using drugs till I was 21. But my grandma made the point that I was in placement as a teenager, as a young child, and they had me on so many psych meds. She said, that's when you stopped developing, when you were put on 43 pills a day. And Shit, uh, April. I swear, yeah, and it wasn't 43 different pills. It was, you know, some were four times a day, some were three. They gave me two of those med cups at every med pass. And it was hard, like it all started for bedwetting. Like I went to bed until I was 15 because of trauma. And they had me on something called Tofranil, but it was a antipsychotic an and I don't respond well to them. Like I, I'd sit and rock and I'd have huge bald spots from pulling my hair out. Like I did not respond to it. Well, yeah. I, some of those psych meds are fucked. You know what I mean? Like I was engaged with somebody who is bipolar schizophrenic. So like, I, I know the hell she went through, you know what I mean? Trying to find the right meds that could work for somebody like her. And mm -hmm. since it is psychological, everybody's different. Everyone's brain chemistry is going to be different. So it takes a lot for them to figure out that balance of what works for you is not going to work for me or work for her or work for them. Right. Every single person is going to be different. So it's not like when you break your arm, you go in and they're like, oh, there's the break. We know how to fix that shit. And then it's done. Everyone yeah. has the same break. You know what I mean? Like they've seen it. But with the brain chemistries, 
everything's different. Everything, everyone's different. Everyone's experienced different things. Um, you mentioned your parents are divorced. How how long? How old were you when they married? But my mom and dad split up. Now me and my sister are a year and three days apart. They split up when she was a newborn. Okay. Um, I was raised by I was raised by my mom until I was six, and then I was raised by my grandmother until I became an adult. But that was its own you know, fucked up situation. She wasn't, she was amazing. That was my grandma, but she was, she sometimes would drink and she'd be vicious when she drank. Like it was bad, but you know, she's passed away now two years ago and that sucks. And I'm kind of glad, like I get into this funk where I say she never got the chance to see me do good. I wish she was here, but my faith tells me she does see this. You know what I mean? she she's she's proud of me for once like yeah it's easy it's easy to go down that you know what i mean that fiance that i mentioned she passed six years ago you Uh, know well well before i got right you know what i mean so i spiraled you know when she when she died i spiraled it was suicide you know what i mean why wouldn't i spiral so like you know suicide will make somebody spiral because then you blame then they blame especially an active addict so yeah, I spiraled for another few years before I got myself right. So yeah, I like to think that too. It's the easier way to live with it because you can't change shit about it and you can't bring them back to see you now, you know? Right. So it is definitely the best way to go about it. So what made you wait until 21 to get into drugs? Like what, what happened to where all of a sudden like 21 people, and I'm, you know, I'm from Jersey, you know what I mean? 21, I'm finding a bar, you know, and I got into drugs at 22 because by 22, alcohol wasn't working for me anymore, right? I went so hard. That's the one thing I don't do. I'm not, my dad drank and, you know, shit happened. So I'm not, I might taste alcohol, like do a cheers at New Year's. I don't really drink like that. But what started it, this is going to piss some people off, but it is what it is. So, you know, I told you I was smoking pot. Well, I had a baby at 20 who was one pound, 13 ounces. You know, I'm very much still a child. She was on oxygen for the first six months. Well, I told you I would smoke pot. I wouldn't smoke pot around the baby. I did it one time and she threw up like fountain on and she was on her back. So it splashed back on her and I flipped her real quick and I called my nan and I was like, can you come get me? Like, I can't, I can't be stoned with this special needs baby. Well, I would continue to smoke weed when she would go with my sister. Now, um, I had children and youth because I was homeless when I came home from the hospital. So the social worker hooked me up with a, so, uh, a caseworker for resources. She said it was the worst thing that ever happened. So they were taking, they were doing drug tests and they wouldn't watch me pee. So I would just buy you pee off the streets and, you know, use it for the test. Well, the one time I couldn't use the girl that I used because she was out of town. So I asked my little sister and I said, can you pee for me? And she was like, why April? And I was like, cause I smoked pot and I don't want to fail the test. So she went and told my social, my caseworker that I was smoking. So the next time I came in for a test, they watched me so I couldn't fake it and they so then there was like nothing really came of it to all that I thought and then the one week was like can I watch her like Wednesday can I watch her because I want to do something and I was like yeah fine so Friday she calls me or Thursday she calls me and she's like can I keep her for the weekend and I was like no like give my baby back (laughs) like you can watch her for one more day and then I want her back so Friday at 4.30, I'll never forget it, I was in a taxi cab coming from shopping with my best friend, and I got a call from my social worker, and she said, your daughter's been placed with your grandmother. If you go there, you'll be arrested. And that day, I started my crack habit. Um, pot just didn't touch that pain. Like, I needed something bigger, and it's been all downhill from there. Like, it's so it's so crazy because it's weed, it's it's weed, <laughs> like now, you know what I mean. Baby <laughs> back, please. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because th- this was you know what fourteen year thirteen years ago, fourteen years ago, so two thousand nine ish. Yeah, so I weed was not acceptable whatsoever. Well, it was two thousand eight because it was the next year. She was born a week before Christmas. Gotcha. But, okay. Yeah, 
So, yeah, I mean, you know, to the point where, like, you know, I, I use it in my recovery. You know what I mean? It's part of my recovery. Yeah, my plan is to get my, my weed card. So I went, that's why I went to Los Angeles to get sober. I was in a rehab that taught me how to use it differently. You know, I don't even smoke it. You know, I, I don't, I don't like, that? I would do gummies if I did get my card. Um, yeah, in PA, um, we're kind of limited. We don't have gummies unless you make your own. Um, we have what's called like RSO capsules. Um, I take little pill capsules, basically. I take it with my blood pressure medicine. I take it as a medicine. Right. My, you know, um, there's this thing that my sister introduced me to. It was for pain management at the time, Delta eights. So they're technically CBD and you get them in the store, but they have that really like calming. Yeah. I like it. Delta. Delta. Sorry. It's okay. Delta eight is good. Um, there's some problems that I have with Delta eight. It's the same. It's the same problems that I have with CBD. Honestly, um, is they're not regulated. Okay. Um, they're they're not regulated. Nobody is regulating them. If you go into a gas station and buy Delta Eight, it could just be THC, and they're just lying to you. There's nobody checking this. The FDA is not checking the labels. The cops aren't checking the labels. Um, the Department of Health is saying that agriculture needs to do it agriculture is saying the department of health needs to do it so everybody's pointing fingers but since it's not federally regulated no one's actually doing shit yet so that's why i don't know what i'm getting out of it they could say 30 percent on there and it not mean anything because they can write whatever the fuck they want because no one's checking them no one's checking their work and they know that um, right. At least when you go into a dispensary, it's made from the people that are, you know, may, or stocking up all of these dispensaries. And it's not just like at a gas station where you don't know the name on it. You know what I mean? It's actually they're making these things a certain percentages and they are being checked by right. corporates that are other places. Yeah. So, you know, there and we can get into that later, though. So, you know. That day, not that day, but maybe right away, you're just like, okay, now I'm, that, that day. day, that day, yeah. you're, sm- you're, sm- you get that phone call and you're like smoking a blunt and you're like, this blunt is not going to do it. It is what it is. Like, I, I'm always honest. People know that know me. Like, I did sell my body. I did it before I was addicted to drugs because I'm sorry, it's a lucrative business. <laughs> you know the what? what? I mean? It's a lucrative business. What I, mean, is? I missed it. Oh, selling my body. Oh, <laughs> like, okay. You know what I mean? It, it it's it's just what I was taught to do. And um I had somebody that I saw at this one house, but I didn't remember like it was it was crazy how it happened. Like I went in this building, it was an apartment building, and I'm like, I know somebody in here I saw, like I know I was in this building, let me try to get money. And or no, I wanted I wanted weed. And I went upstairs and the third door I opened was somebody's apartment and I was like oh my god I'm so sorry and he was like oh it's okay cool come in you need something I was like yeah let me get a dub and I meant a 20 bag of weed and he came back with a rock and I was like this isn't what I meant and then I was like fuck it I bought it I can't return it so might as well do it and I did it for the first time then and that night I robbed a Mexican and I got 600, almost $700. Then the morning, cause that shit don't last in the morning. I robbed my grandmother. Um, I went to her house when she was gone and I found her debit card and I ran it and I'm an asshole. I ran it for 300 and it said the balance was $18 and I'm like, hold up. This ATM does 10. So I ran it again and it's just. I went for like, you see that picture. I don't function as an ad, as an addict. I go straight rock bottom within 24 hours. I might not look like that, right? I mean, yeah, I do. I'm, I pick when I get on dope, when I get on meth, anytime, even when I'm sober, I pick. And yeah, it's just, it sucks. Like my mom sent me that picture that I posted, the bad one. She sent it to me in jail, like as a reminder and nobody, like, nobody believed it was me. You know what I mean? Like, that is, uh. And then when I put them both side by side, I really, like, it's sunk in. I don't ever want to look like that again. 
You know what I mean? Like, there's just a lot of stuff has happened. And I think it was like the stars aligning, um, like per se, with just people that were like my best friend sold me a beat bag, knowing that I shoot up, like you're going to, and she just got, she's on pills. So you're going to risk my life for $20 and I'm supposed to be your best friend. And then the guy that I dated for eight years, I overdosed. And he just dumps my body at the ER and takes off. And like, I started realizing these people that I care about don't give a fuck. And I got to stop having them a part of my story because they're doing nothing but keeping it. I'm surprised he dropped you off. (laughs) A lot of, I mean, you know, I I hate to even give him credit. You know what I mean? The, um, the nurses, when I came to, that was like the fifth time I died in those two weeks. When I came to, like, all they kept saying was, like, you got to leave that guy alone. He's a fucking piece of shit. He almost hits you with the car. And I'm like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, like I said, I wasn't trying to, you know, take his side. I'm just saying, like, I'm, yeah, I'm surprised he actually dropped you off. Yeah. That's the biggest fear is that one time I'll overdose and they'll just put my body in the dumpster. Like, nobody will know, you know what I mean? I fall off the face of the earth when I get high. So it's not like I'm going to be like, hey, I'm with so-and-so, and and then they'll trace it back. I just don't talk to anybody. Nine times in two weeks, though? Two weeks. The three or two of the times, I was able to come back with double Narcan. But the other times, um, I think they used the paddles three times out of those nine. Like, it was like... Is this because fentanyl? Yes, I can't take fentanyl. I don't know if it was fentanyl or dilaudid, but doctors gave it to me in the hospital. <clears throat> Sorry. <clears throat> doctors gave it to me in the hospital and had to resuscitate me. Like, my body does not handle. I think it was fentanyl. Like, they had to give me something. It slows down your breathing so much that your heart stops. Yeah. yeah. I can't handle it. I um. But is it, is it, was it, but you were into crack and meth, no? I was in, I haven't smoked crack in next month. It'll be two years. What made you, what made you quit crack two years ago? I kind of, that one was the first one that it got the wheels run rolling about like, this is, uh, yeah, cause I was like, going to ask you about, and if you had any bouts of sobriety from 21 to 34, if you had had any times where you would like stop for a little. Yeah, my pregnancies. But see, this is my thing. Like, if we're being honest, I say I'm sober when I take when I get rid of all the hard drugs, but smoke K2. Like, I've smoked K2 for the last 12 years. But when I say I'm sober, it means I'm not smoking crack. I'm not shooting dope. I'm not. I just started. Like, I did meth maybe three times before Christmas, not of this past year, but of 2020. And then I did meth for four months straight. And then when you do, like, Funny, I see as weed, but it's really not. I just convince myself that because it looks like it and smokes like it, don't smell like it. But um, I don't do K2 now. Like now it's been full sobriety since. Um, I did do CBDs when I first got here and I got in a lot of trouble because I did Delta 8s. But that's the only thing like I, <clears throat> I don't know why my throat's doing this. That was that, hic- that was that like hiccup that you mentioned when you got there. Was the yeah. CBD? Yeah. Yeah. And like I said, that's the problem with it is you don't know really what's in it. So it can spike off anything with the drug tests. You know what I mean? Since nobody is regulating what they're putting into it. So that's the problem. Yeah, it was bad. Like I got in, I, my mom's going to find this out now, but it is what it is. Um, I got in a lot of trouble because I took six CBD, I took six Delta eights. And when I was with Cassie in Florida, she had given me four. So I'm like, fuck it. Six is a short jump. You know what I mean? It's only two more. And I was fine on four. So I took all six and it got so bad. Like, I don't remember anything. Um, The last thing I remember was being at a restaurant getting um, French fries and a fountain soda because that's what I wanted. And like it's its own it's its own like fucked up story so i'm walking back to tlc um i came to in like a brick alleyway i didn't know where i was <clears throat> like i wasn't on the ground and woke up it was like i just was standing there and all of a sudden i'm like where am i 
And then like, I had to think for a second and I'm like, all right, I'm in Williamsport cause I'm at TLC. And then I'm like, shit, I gotta be home at four. What time is it? And I pull out my phone, phone's gone. Money's gone. Cigarettes are on. I'm like, what the fuck? So I start walking. I run into somebody. And I say, where's third street. I got to get to third street. So they send me in the right direction. And I am literally like falling asleep walking. So the third time I open my eyes, surprise, I'm surrounded by cops. And I'm like, uh, you know, hi, gone. And I'm like, oh, he's like, what do you want? And I was like, CBD. And he was like, no, no. <laughs> like, what do you want? I was like, I'm telling you, I took six CBD. And they took me back to the the precinct. What is it? Precinct? Yes. Yeah. You know, cop place. And they did a urine test. Now I noticed something when I took the test that we don't have to talk about because it's graphic, but it sticks out. Like it just, I didn't really think anything of it at first. And then like five days later, I was at the TLC and they were doing a drug test. And when I looked down, I noticed I had bruising, like all in my thighs were all bruised. So I showed the staff and she was like, I would go get a rape kit. Like that doesn't look good. So I went to the hospital, I got a rape kit, and they said there was evidence of trauma, which means <clears throat> something happened while I was, time was unaccounted for. And like that really, even though it's like not cool to happen, that really super kicked my drive into being sober because that was like the last avenue. Like, oh, I can do this and I'll be okay. No, I won't. I can't do crap. I can't do meth. Bad shit happens. I can't do CBD. I got to be completely sober. Like I went to my parole officer and she was like, give me one good reason why I shouldn't send you back to Muncie. Like, dude, I was out three fucking days. And <clears throat> she said, um, I was like, listen, I know, you know, first impressions are everything. And I look like an asshole, but I really, really, really want to change. And like the thing that really like sank in, like kind of clicked. She was like, I'm going to be mad as hell if in a week I have to take you back to Muncie. And in my head, I'm like, that's not the worst that could happen in a week. Like, you think go, taking me to jail is the worst? Like, I'm scared if I start, I'm going to end up dead again. And that's it. Like, that was, I can't do, I can't do anything. Yeah, and that's exactly why I don't trust the gas station CBD Delta eight little experiment that they're doing because you don't know what the fuck is in it because they don't have to tell you because no one is telling them what to do. Same you know? thing with, it's the same thing with K2. You don't, every bag is different. It's not like I had 10, no, 16 seizures in one day. I think it was 16. It might've been 15. Um, Still. <laughs> yeah, right. Two <laughs> is a lot. It was horrible. Like it was, and it wasn't like I was detoxing and it happened in detox because detox from K is wicked, but I was smoking a blunt and my boyfriend at the time, like we always used to smoke individual and I'm sitting there and we're back to back because we lean on each other and just do our thing. And he went, he said, my hand went like this and he was like, I have one. Like, it looked like I was trying to pass him the blunt and then it keeps going like this and he turns around and I'm seizing. So we went to the hospital and, you know, the doctor said, he's like, K2 is still new. Like, we don't know what, what's going to happen. And he said, um, I was like, is this like, what are the lasting effects? And he said, you're the guinea pig. You're going to tell us. I was like, oh shit. So, because K2 is, is that the bath salt thing? Okay, no, it is, but it's not. Bath salt's okay. like synthetic meth. K2's like synthetic weed with some opiates in it because you, it's like super weed where you're like nodding out. Bath salts is synthetic too, but that's more like meth. Okay. Because like, I've heard them used together. You know what I mean? I've heard them like said. <laughs> said together if that makes sense you know yeah. what i mean like k2 bath salts so and i never got into either you know what i mean i was strictly 30s you know that was my thing for nine and a half years was just 30s every day so you know i i didn't even graduate to dope yeah, because right. i yeah because i loved pills so much i could keep affording it i could function i was working i was running the business you know what i mean like I was pulling the wool over everybody's eyes because I was able to function so much. The only time I lost functionality and I ever got caught, I ever got arrested, I ever got in trouble, 
ever got called out is when I mixed Xanax. Xanax is what made me always in trouble. I always stole. I always got called out for being high. What's that? You steal the, you think you can steal the world on Xanax. Like now I have nails, but I had no nails and I stole fingernail clippers. Like, for yeah, what? I, I want to do a super cut eventually. I'm going to go through all my episodes and I'm going to pull the clip out of every single one where my guest says, I stole on Xanax because <laughs> it has happened like your episode 100. Like we talked about this. Congrats again, your episode 100. So. Congrats. You. Thank you. And I swear, I've heard it 60, 70 times how I steal on Xanax. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I've heard it so many times. It blows my mind sometimes. It doesn't blow my mind anymore. It just is more reassuring. This episode is sponsored by MJ's Progress Not Perfection Meeting Center Association. We are in our meeting center where we do all these meetings for mental health and addiction. I can do this podcast anywhere. I can do this at home. I can do this in a closet. I can do this in a basement. It doesn't matter. All I need is somebody else to talk to about addiction and recovery. What I can't do from anywhere is help people with their addiction and their mental health problems. If you can help out, you know, we do have a Venmo, we have a Cash App, we have a PayPal, we have an address you can send a check to. And, you know, all the money that gets donated goes towards rent, goes towards keeping the lights on, and goes towards keeping the internet on. So please, you know, if you can get five bucks, 10 bucks, 20 bucks, it doesn't matter. Anything you can is so appreciated. If you are a local business, if you're a national business, whatever, and you want to be a part of what we're doing, you know, you can reach out to me and we can talk about how you can be a sponsor. But I'll let you get back to the episode. What have you been doing differently now that, like, you went through that traumatic thing with, you know, the CBD and everything? And you said you wanted to actually do this different now. What is different right. to you? Are you going to meetings? Are you working yeah, steps? Yeah, I'm my 90 and 90, which I, I hope will turn into 180, 180, 365, 365. You know what I mean? Like, I do cyber meetings every day, but Saturday and Saturday, right there at that church, I go to um, in-person meetings. Okay, that's cool. And um, you can, and you can do... You can do more than, right. you know, since there's Zoom, like, yeah, 90 and 90s would recommend it, but there's no rule that says you can't do more if you have the time, you know? Right. So, hold on. It's going to get loud for a second, so hold on a second. This us? Just three and four? All right. All right, ready? Yep. So, you know, that's the thing, like... um. You know, I was real. I got really big into it early on, and I, I think Hold that. On, uh, let me just move because okay. it's gonna be loud. I'm sorry. No, you're fine. All right. Um, I did two fifty in ninety. Oh shit! Uh, okay. Like, there's no rules against doing more. And, right. You know, Sometimes that- I do hit a double meeting if I'm having a hard time. I will hit. I forget what the thing was that did it, but. Yeah, like I know, I had a guy here, been here a couple of times. He's out in Chicago and he'll hop on Zoom meetings in London at 2 a.m. when it's 8 a.m. there, you know? See, this is the issue that I had when I used the NA app, I want to say. It would give me like Amazonian time, like Russian time. I'm like, well, I don't know the, 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 you know, what's that Mm. called? The exchange rate, you know what I mean? Like, I don't know how yeah. to make that American time. So my friend Priscilla, hi Priscilla, um, gave me a site where they like, they they change it to your time. So the one that I go to at one o'clock is really a 12 o'clock meeting in Pensacola. So it, you know what I mean? It works out. It just, I go, from, I go to group from nine to 12, three days a week, which is going to change now because I have a job that's first shift. And, um, so it just, it worked out. Like I'd be on group from nine to 12 and then I would get, you know, get around, get shit ready. And then I'd hop on the meeting and they, and I use that before and after picture as my profile picture. And it's just like, when people see that they like, oh my gosh, like it really, ugh. and I, I can't even say that was a bad run. Like that was every run. I ended up looking like that. You know what I mean? Like that was a dead giveaway when I picked my mom. Like, like I said, I do pick when I'm sober, but not 
like that. Not nearly as much. That thing on my forehead, everybody thinks I fell. I didn't. I was picking. And when I pick, I would, when I would do meth, I would pick so much, my fingertips would be black and blue. Like, that's how much I, and I would, when my fingertips started hurting from biting my nails so hard and I couldn't do it, I would use my knuckles. Like, that's why, you know what I mean? It's not, oh, it's, and everyone's like, you know, guys are like, I want to get you high and hang out. No, you don't. <laughs> like, you really <laughs> don't. No. All, like, you think, they think I'm joking. Like, I'll put it on seeing my kids again. I have, I have stared at the carpet for over 24 hours straight. Like, I get on my hands and knees and just stare at the carpet for little pieces of whatever. And I'm not fun to get high with. I don't talk. I don't smell good. You know what I mean? Like, it's just, it's pitiful to watch. Like, there's people that, even though they're crazy drug addicts, will not have me around because it's sad. It's really sad to watch. Yeah. And, but you see things going differently this time because it's, it is a mental shift for you. It is. Um, really what, one of the things that really like my thing is I haven't talked to my kids in over five years on April 1st, that'll be six years. My last time I talked to them was my 10 year old's fifth birthday. Um, my sister cut off contact because I was the way I was doing it. And like, my thing is, I've never been sober more than, besides being pregnant, no more than, like, four months from everything. And, you know, I don't, she doesn't let me talk to him, but she sends pictures and videos. Um, Not now, but she did send, like, three pictures. Uh, I wished her Merry Christmas. And what's good is, like, that's the other change. Wait, I'm skipping stuff. So... Um, I would like miss them by six months. And then of course it's back to getting high and, you know, Heather, my, hi, Heather, hi, Eric, hi, Danielle, <laughs> my, my sister, Heather would say, like, she called me the one time when I was in, in, uh, Tennessee with my dad. And she was like, April, she said, you need to get right because Mackenzie's going to be 18 soon. And I can guarantee she's going to come look for you. And like, I get it in my head. I don't know if it's my addiction or like, I, I am spiritual. I'm Christian, but you know, it, it's more than, I'm not religious. That's what I say. I'm, I'm spiritual, not religious, but like the enemy used that, like you're never going to see your kids again. And I can't imagine the rest of my life without my kids. So then I go into panic mode and need to numb that. Cause that's a pain unlike any other. And she told me like, you have four years. And then I like, it started sinking in. Like, I see what I accomplish in four months before I fuck up. Like I started a business, you know what I mean? Like I do awesome stuff. I see what I, I see what I accomplish in four months. So then, you know, yeah, at six months, nobody's really on the bandwagon yet. And then I screw up and I wreck everything. <clears throat> but I can only imagine like I, it, it didn't happen yet because I've made it this far and stuff like that. But I know, like, I just, I have to believe my sister's not an evil person. Like she's really trying to help my children trying to, well, they're her children because she adopted them, but help break the cycle. Like this is a four or five generation cycle. And it's really important to her to not have them exposed to the chaos. And I know that if I, and the other thing is, I don't, I didn't jump in and try to get back talking to her. <clears throat> like, um, so before I went to jail, when I relapsed, I relapsed Christmas day and the first week of January, um, the ex that I broke up with, fuck you, Jeff, he doesn't get, I know <laughs> he's still my friend, but he's an asshole. Um, he, was treating me really fucked up. Like he started dating the chick that we were her kids, godparents. Like she's a trick. It's horrible. Like it's just a fucked up story. And he was treating me real fucked up. So I had the bright idea to fake my death and went as far as writing an obituary. But what I didn't realize is <clears throat> when I fall off the face of the earth, my sister periodically googles my name to see if there's an obituary because nobody knows you know what I mean I'm just gone 
So that time when I relapsed and she looked it up, one popped up and that wrecked, like, you know, how, like, she was super upset and she was more upset that I named her children in it. So she was on no talking terms. And then like, I messaged her before I went to jail and I was like, Hey, and she messaged back. Nope. I was like, Oh, okay. (laughs) So this time I'm letting third parties vouch for me. I'm not saying I'm doing this. I'm doing that. I'm doing so good. I'm letting my actions speak for me. So I, you know, I've been out for two months now. My mom's told her I got my apartment. She told her I'm working. Like, I'm just, I'm just letting my actions, like walking the walk instead of just talking the talk. Yeah, because they're tired of listening to us. Right. You know what I mean? They want to see something. And what's sad is that they get, like, it's not like I just get high. Like, I do so good for a couple months and, like, people really start relaxing and not being scared that every phone call is a death call and then and and plus like and plus like you know we go to aa and na but like a lot of our family they have they get support elsewhere you know whether it's online with social medias there's a ton of facebook groups for families with addicts there's a ton of in-person groups al-anon naranon alteen there's so many different programs and resources out there for families that are suffering or friends that are suffering that we don't even know because we're so caught up in our own shit that they're learning how to, you know, I don't want to say deal with us, but learn how to live with us, yeah. learn how to live without us, yeah. learn how to, you know, tell us no. So, you know, there's a, that's that's the right thing that should have been done. You know what I yeah. mean? And I don't know if she was coached. Or if that's just something that she would just like, no, I don't, I can't do this right now. And just consciously said no. But, you know, either way, it was definitely the right thing for her to do because it was, you know, something that still consciously stays with you in a good way. And, you know, the numbing of the pain there. How do I say this? So, like, I I numbed for a very long time. I drank from 11 to 31. Um, and so, and I use pills from 22 to 31. Um, and I can honestly say is I've been through harder shit in sobriety than I have in addiction. And that's including losing a fiance. I lost a fiance and a childhood best friend while in addiction. Um, but when you're sober and you feel things, you know, it, you, it's hard, but you don't die. Right. Right. That's something I've learned, you know, when I got, when I, when I got the news that like my wife, my now wife, um, we're both sober together and we started this meeting center together, but she has MS, you know, she just got diagnosed with MS in August. She can barely walk. Like she can't walk unless she has a cane or a walker. It's not happening. Um, and she's only 38, you know, and this is, this is now what it is and there's no cure for it. Um, 10 years ago, five years ago, you know, I would be shit faced over that news and I would still be to this day, but how is that going to help her walk? You know? And so that's, that's, you know, every time I've gotten bad news in addiction, I I always remember how much worse it'll be if I add in the drink or the drug. And that's what keeps me sober today. The two, two of the things, like everything, it wasn't like I woke up one day and said, I don't want to get high anymore. Like it's been a couple of things. Like my daughter's, again, my daughter, my middle daughter's father died of an overdose and I was sober. I was completely sober when that happened. And my youngest daughter, her father had committed suicide years ago. But then, like, that was one thing that got in my head. If something happens to me, two of my three children, even though they have adoptive parents that are amazing, will biologically be orphans. And, wow, that's, you know what I mean? Like, I can't, that's how people get high. Like, those are childhood hurts that, you know, that create demons like that. Um, My grandma died. I was sober. But before, like, a year before... It were like this was one of the things that sunk in. Like my friend um Kirsten, who her grandma lives up from my grandma, lived up from my grandma, like three houses. 
and her gram told her that my grandma was in, my nan was in the hospital and it wasn't good. Like they thought she was going to die. So I'm calling every hospital, can't find her. I'm calling everybody. Nobody wants to tell me anything. Finally, I enlist the help of someone who shall not be named. And she tracked her down and got, told me she was in a recovery, like a, a assisted living thing because they cut her open to take a tumor out of her colon. I didn't know she had colon cancer. Nobody told me. Um, and when they cut her open, she had a stroke and she was septic. So they cut her, they had her open from chest bone to pubic bone. And she was in the hospital just laid out like that. Well, the assisted living with her insides out. And I was in, I, I got high and I'm sitting at this crack house with people who can't stand me. Like they, we know we don't like each other. And it like dawned me, like if my nan dies and comes and checks on me on the way up, is this where I want her to see me? Like, is this where I want to be with these people when I get the news your grandma died? Like. Is that the last time you smoked crack? Yeah. Yep. It takes um, what it takes. And yeah. you said earlier, you know, spiritual and religion. And I know you're still kind of new to all this. Has anyone ever kind of told you the difference? I I really like not told me the difference, but the difference that I see or that I've told myself is religion is man's view on God. Spirituality is just a relationship with God, whoever you think he is. You know what I mean? Like, like yeah. that's the oh, way I, I, no, see. I like, I, I, yeah, I say I'm a recovering Catholic because I went to Catholic school. Me too. I've said that, that a couple of times. Right. Right. <laughs> no, there is this thing I saw on Facebook. It said, Catholic kids like be like and then when you hear the may the force be with you and also with you <laughs> like yeah. they, <laughs> yep. um, but, but like, that for me something. so spiritual religion is for people who fear hell and spirituality is for people who have been to hell and made it back I like that um my thing that really like the thing that started an issue faith is what saved me it really is but the issue was in Catholic school, the way they taught about God was he's up there, you're down here. He can never, like, you're never going to be near him because he's so amazing. I felt like when God, like, I saw it like Beetlejuice, you know, that table town, how it's the, you know mm -hmm. what I mean? Yeah. I felt like there was this man looking down at the earth, like, what is that black smear? Like, I thought I was so tainted from the things that happened as a child that he couldn't even see me. And that fucked me up. But then when I became Christian, like, and it made it easier because I can't fight my addiction on my own. I've tried, I've failed time and again. But when my faith, like in the Bible and stuff, it says he's overcome, like he's overcome the world. There's not a battle that he's lost. He can't lose. So I let him fight this and just sit back and, and reap the rewards. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I don't, and like he's that taught me he's not far away. He's like he's in me. He can't get any closer. And he loves me. And it doesn't matter what happened to me. It doesn't matter what I did. It doesn't you know what I mean? Like it but it got to the point where like I wasn't suicidal. But the best way I put it is everywhere, every set of eyes that looked at me looked at me with contempt or disgust. Like it was bad when I was ad addicted. I just want to see love and i wanted to die so i knew that i could i just wanted to hug jesus like and i would fall, i would break down when i said it like i just want to be loved and even if that means i have to die then so be it either way april you're doing awesome things you're working on yourself you know you're looking into your history you're trying mm -hmm. to find where things came from you are actually going to meetings you're doing the 90 and 90 um you know and you're recovering out loud you're talking about it you know Absolutely. what I mean? You're taking ownership of your story um, because that's one of the hardest things to do once we get sober is to take ownership of our story. Because when you take ownership of it, you're then accepting of it. And when you can accept it, you're not dwelling on it. And when you're not dwelling on it, you're not going to likely to get high over it because right. a lot of people, they relapse because they we get sober and then once we sober up we're like oh my god I did this this that this 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 and that this and then you beat yourself up and then you get high over it again 
So you don't have to do that cycle because it's it is perpetual cycle. Um, yeah. Is there anybody else that like you know that helped you along the way? You want to give a shout out to before you want to wrap well, up? Well, yeah, I know my mom and dad. Hi, mom and dad. You know Heather, Cassie, Eric, Danielle, Chrissy. Um, I know I'm missing people now. But they all, but they all helped you though. They all like and, yeah, support you. It, Right. Um, Heather really, it, it, the day that I saw her, like she used to not hug me because I'd smell like she even said, like, I can't, when it goes from anger to fear, like that's an eye opening thing. Like she's not mad at me for getting high. She's horrified. She's going to lose me like this. I don't know if you see this. I fucking, a, a needle tip broke off in my jugular. Like I had to have emergency surgery and you know, she wasn't even mad that I was getting high. She just wanted to hug me because she was so scared something would happen. Like, you know what I mean? Priscilla. Hi, Priscilla. Um, I don't know who else. The people from the homing home. Hi, guys. The people from Morningstar. Hi, guys. But, but that, um, that's but that's incredible, though, that, you know, they can see past that. They, you know, and the fact that you could see the fear instead of. Because that's important. Sometimes that's what keeps us in addiction longer is we don't see that fear. You know, we just see them hate judging us. And when they judge us, we hide away more and we run away more. But if you see fear, then that will question. One more thing I have to share, just because this is a this was a real eye opener. Those times that I died, all those times, Cassie, my friend, told me. I had to check in every other day just to make sure I was okay. And after I started dying, like after the sixth time, she messaged me and she said, what do you want me to do with your body? I was like, what? Jesus, Cassie. And she was like, but I'm serious because it's going to happen. And I don't want your mom to just do what she wants. I want what you want. So tell me. And it's like, it, it, but yeah, it's not, you know what I mean? This is a legitimate situation. Like I'm, I'm, I'm heading that way. That really like, and it fucked me up that I put people like who care like that, make them think about shit like that. Like they shouldn't have to think about that, you know? Yeah. But I'm sorry. Well, I talk a lot. I talk no, you're good. Lot. I talk a lot too. That's why I do this. So, <laughs> you know, Thank you again, and thank you for having me. Congratulations on the hundred episodes. Thank you, I appreciate um, that. Um, but yeah, do your thing, and you know, hit your meetings. And if you need anything, let me know. I'll talk to you soon. Definitely. All right, you have a good day. All right, have a good day. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Bye.